Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Heavenly Father, it's a new day. It's a new season. We're just grateful for your presence here with us today. Lord, we want to open your word. We want to look at what your word says to us today. We pray that um, it would be anointed, that it would transform our hearts, that you would touch us in that deepest place, in the core of our being, Lord. Let your word bring life as the truth is spoken out, Lord. Let it just bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. Last weekend, we began a series. I called it A New Day. And we, uh, we looked at the seasons. Remember that? If you were here, we looked at the summer season, and then we looked at the autumn season, and we looked at the winter season, and then we looked at the springtime season. And we looked at all the kind of natural connections so while the seasons happen naturally in the world and keeping the world in some consistent order. We also looked at the spiritual connection of seasons and how we go through various seasons in life that kind of look like summer, autumn, winter, and spring. And we are, if you're here, you'll remember I called forth a spiritual springtime. I said, let's not wait till September and go through another winter, spring, uh, winter season. Let's call forth a spiritual springtime. And we really prayed for that. And we went out onto the grass and the sun out there, and it was a beautiful day. And we just prayed that God would bring in new things, new opportunities, open up you know, let the flowers blossom, let the, the trees have new shoots, let the grass start growing, let the spiritual growth really happen in our lives. And I introduced three core values at that time. And we're going to actually today, next week and the week after, start to open up these three core values and see what does that mean for us as a church. And those three core values, I'll come up on the screen in a, in a second. There they are. Let's say them together. Lavished in love. Centered in Christ, empowered in prayer. Let's say that again. Lavished in love, centered in Christ, and empowered in prayer. So today we're going to focus on the first one, and that is to be what? Lavished in love. Next week we're going to focus on being centered in Christ. And then on the 17th, we're going to focus on being empowered in prayer. And that is the day that we have a commissioning service where you'll all be praying for me. And I'm telling you now, I need to be empowered in prayer. I need all the prayer support that you're willing to give. And so it kind of was a nice connection there to have the empowered in prayer theme on that day. Isn't that great how God works? Lavished in love. I think it's just been such a significant thought in my life, the idea of being lavished in love. It was a commitment that I made to God early on in my Christian life when I asked God what his will was for my life. I think a lot of young people I've had over the years come to me and say, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And you start to say, well, uh, they're looking for a real clear direction, a real specific thing that God's called them to do or called them to be. And, and I got to a point in my own discovery and sharing with others, you know, don't ask what's God's will for my life. Ask What's God's will? What's God's will? And then do that. Does that make sense? By the way, before we go on, I think it's Trish and Vern's birthday. Is that right? Was it your birthdays or something? I heard, a, I heard something about a birthday celebration. Is that not today? 
they're over at Morton Island, is that right? Yeah, I just thought, what a fantastic thing that, you know, the family could all be over there and they can all be celebrating together. There's a whole bunch of the family who come here to the church. I was just excited for them. Isn't that great? It just came to my mind while I was preaching then. I thought, let's just remember the, the Hazelwood families and they're all over there having a good time. So I think, you know, this became this kind of real deep commitment in my heart to say, well, what's God's will? What's God's will? Don't ask. And when I questioned that thought, I thought, you know, the, Jesus said that to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, that's God's will. And to love others as you'd want to be loved. And I felt like that that was a very simple answer to share my life deeply then with people expressing love to God and, and that the love that I'd received from God or been lavished with to express to other people, to be lavished with love and then to love lavishly. To lavish, be lavish with love and then to love lavishly. To see people through the eyes of God with an extravagant love. To see people through the eyes of God and then express that love. It could be a risky kind of love even. And I'm not saying risque kind of love. I'm saying a risky kind of love. To love deeply in a way that I could get to the end of my life and not have any regrets. That would be a, a really good thing to, to remember. I want that kind of love that I'd receive from God to then be expressed from me. And I was thinking in 1 John 3, 1, this beautiful scripture. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, lavished. It's one of those beautiful words, one of my favorite words in the Bible, actually. The word, let's say lavished. Lavished. It's one of those, ah, words, isn't it? To be lavished. And to think about that, God has lavished love upon us, which means he's given extravagant quantities of love in us. It means sumptuously rich and elaborate. It means to bestow something of generously and something of extravagant quantities upon us. Doesn't that just make you go, ah, what image comes to your mind when you think about that? One image as I was preparing came to my mind was of a Tongan feast. I've got a lot of Tongan friends and have had the chance to go to many Tongan feasts. And in those feasts, as the food just keeps kept coming. It's being lavished on you, a buffet of sumptuously rich and elaborate food without any limits. And it fills you up to overflow. And it fills you up and satisfies and it just seems to never end. So I want to say it another way, church. He has bestowed generous and extravagant quantities of his boundless and unending and unconditional and incomprehensible, sacrificial, steady and unchanging love upon us. If this is what his love is like, we need to not only soak it up here today, we not only need to experience it and be filled to overflowing with that lavish love, but we need to learn how do we express that love? How do we share that love on each other? First John 3.11 says, John goes on to say, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We should love one another. 
And he says in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with what, church? Actions and in truth. Laying down our lives for each other, sacrificing for each other like Christ laid down his life for us. Whoa, that's lavish love, isn't it? That's what it means to be lavished in love. It's going to cost us something to love like this. There's no greater love than to lay down yourself for someone else, for other people's needs. There's no greater love than to make a sacrifice, to love not just with words, but with action and with deeds. And I want us to create an atmosphere here where God's love is deeply and generously felt, but then generously passed on to others extravagantly with actions and in truth. Let's be a church that's drenched in this lavish love of God. I have an image in my mind of a pool, a pool of God's love so deep that people would drive for miles to come and bathe in it. Imagine that. What would that kind of lavish love look like in a church's DNA, in that community where they will see it and people will feel it and people will want it and people will drive for miles to come and bathe in it. What is that? What would it look like? And how would that make us stand out in the world? How would that make this church stand out in this community? The love of Christ is the thing that sets us apart from any other social group or club out there in the community. The love of Christ being lavished on us and being shared with the world. It's to be the most loving community here, lavishing the world with the lavishing love of Christ. Say that with me. Lavishing the world with the lavishing love of Christ. Now say it three times fast. <laughs> you know, we live in such a love-starved world, don't we? We live in such a love-starved world. So when this love starts flowing the way we're talking here, the word will get out about this church and people will want it. I'm moved by the Apostle Paul's heartfelt prayer in the Ephesians uh, church. He said in Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. His love is incomprehensible. His love is so great, it surpasses even our knowledge. May we be a people like that, deeply rooted and established in the lavishing love of God. May we have power to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. So, early on in my Christian life, I felt, that overwhelming reality from God and I got filled up with it and I got satisfied in it 
and I committed to let it flow the best way I could in my life. And the prayer that I've often prayed over my years as a Christian is, Lord, help me be a conduit of God's love. Help me a conduit of his love, that the love of God could flow through my life. And now I know that this is a commitment that I've made. I realize that I get it wrong so often. I realize that I mess this up so many times. Not always, but many times I've messed it up. Sometimes I realize how unloving I can be, actually. But to love with a lavish love is something that I really want to define my life and who I am. So I'm going to work on this personally, okay? And I'm going to ask you to work on this personally in this church. Why? Why do I want to be a person who loves God and loves people? Why do I want to love? Why do I want love to define my life? Because Jesus made it clear that this is the most important commitment of our lives. When he spoke to those religious leaders, he said this in Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, he tested them with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Well, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, in the order of things, this is the most important thing to God. Love. It's at the top of the list. Why is that? Because God himself is love. And he wants us to be just like him. To imitate his love. And as he lives in and through us by his spirit, he makes it possible for us to love like he loved us. That's why in 1 John it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I see that Paul highlighted this so beautifully in what we call the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he says that whatever we do for God, he's talking about the spiritual gifts at this point, whatever gifts we operate in and we're using for God, however we act, whatever we do in is And he's referring to all those gifts in the church. He's saying, if I have not love, he describes it as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says it's pointless. He says, I am nothing and I gain nothing. In other words, have all the spiritual gifts in the world, church, be activated in all these great powerful gifts and doing all these amazing things for God. But if you have not love, he says, (laughs) he says, it's dog dung. He says, it's pointless. He says, you are nothing. You have nothing. It's a resounding gong or a what? That's it, a clanging cymbal. And it's all over. It's all over. It's useless. And then after that, he says, but let me tell you what love is. Love is kind. Oh, love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does, does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Who's feeling challenged right now? I'm feeling a little challenged right now. And after this wonderful description of what love is, Paul goes and says, and he says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is? Thank you for that underwhelming response, church. (laughs) The greatest of these is? Love. I think he made his point loud and clear that love is at the top of the list. And to take this further, Tim Hanna preached a series recently on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was a beautiful series. So to take this further, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're being led by the Holy Spirit, then there's naturally going to be some fruit in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Paul starts to describe what that could look like, what that fruit looks like. And at the top of the list, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But he starts the description by saying the fruit of God in your life is that of love. So maybe we should really focus on creating this deep pool of God's love where people could drive for miles to come and bathe in it. And my desire is that we have a genuine and powerful love being poured out here, expressed in this fellowship. And it comes from the heart of God, but it's expressed through the heart of the people to one another. It's something that we need and we're actually called to express and that my prayer is becomes part of the DNA of our church. I'm certainly not saying we're an unloving church. Don't take that the wrong way. I just believe we need to do more and more of it. When I call and welcome people here, I want to, them to feel like I'm welcoming them into the middle of a movement of love. Imagine being welcomed as you come in on Sunday mornings into the middle of a movement of God's love. It's a great vision, isn't it? Let me tell you, the the movement of God's love is not like anything that you will find out in the world. It's not like anything you will find in another religion. The middle of the movement of God's love is straight from heaven to earth for you. While I believe that we are in the middle of a movement of God's love, I believe we could grow more and more in this church. We could be rooted and established in this, which means to commit ourselves to this so that you know the full depth of his love and the greatness of his love and to be filled to the fullness of God's love. I can relate so much to Paul's words in the Thessalonian church. They were so full of love. May we be like this. He says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. In other words, it's just apparent. We don't even need to write to you about this. It's just there. We see it. We feel it. About your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do Love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so what? More and more. 
we urge you, brothers and sisters, to love more and more. Paul is encouraging them with such great love for each other, but he's urging them to do it more and more. Friends, would you like to continue to be part of the move of God's love here at Creekside Church? Well, just like Paul, I want to urge you today, myself included, do so more and more. Jesus was the ultimate example of God's love. You know, his love being expressed in the world. Remember the time when he came to the Samaritan woman or Samaritan woman came to him at the well. And Jesus broke through barriers at that moment. He broke through racial barriers. He broke through political barriers. He broke through religious barriers to reach into the life of this Samaritan woman with love. She was an outcast. And yet he took some risk. He took a lot of risk in doing that. It really could have backfired on him. But he loved her with a love that she'd never experienced before. She had her life transformed from that love. And then she ran back to the city and she told everyone about that love. You see... God's love could not only change us, but can change whole communities. God's love could change you and change others. Church, when you give and receive that kind of love and making risky expressions of love like Jesus did, it will start to redefine relationships and transform lives and even transform communities. When we're together as a church family, I want us to have the hard time of fighting off the love of God in this room. Let's have a hard time fighting off the love of God. I want it to be difficult to keep a closed heart, to keep a closed heart toward God for too long around here. I want to see God's love break through to the hearts of everyone. You know, sometimes I feel hopeless in this. I feel I can't express love or I don't know how to or what to do or even though I feel it welling up inside of me, I kind of choke sometimes on the words, I love you. I, I sometimes make excuses for not loving people or not being as loving as I should be. I sometimes rationalise it away when the Holy Spirit has said be loving to that person and I didn't. What if I get it wrong, God? What if it sounds really weird, God? <laughs> What if I say something the wrong way and it kind of gets really awkward, God? If it doesn't get received the way I feel, I'm trying to express it or I feel like, it's, I feel like I'm a, a goose. What if it backfires on me, God? So I often decide at that point not to take the risk and not to express love, not to love lavishly or not to love at all, even though I felt like I should have. Has anyone ever had those kind of feelings or is it just me here? It's a strange thing that I should feel that way because whenever somebody has expressed that kind of love to me, 
Whenever someone has taken a risk and stepped out of their comfort zone and shared a deeper love with me, whenever someone has done that, and even if it felt awkward for them, it has always done my heart good. It has always touched me. Every time. Always. So why do I reason it away as a waste of energy? Why do I stop myself from taking the risks? Unfortunately, when I don't love, it leaves people empty. When you don't love, it leaves people empty. And I believe that. When I feel it, I should express it. And I need to make a commitment to express it because our world needs it. And I pray God would help us as a church family to do it. So today, I'm going to give you a few things that we can do and then lead into communion together. A few thoughts quickly. Number one, come right out and say it. Come right out and say it. You all heard of the love languages, I'm sure. Words of affirmation. I love you. Hey, I love you. I love you. Some people feel most love when they hear the words or maybe written down a little note of encouragement. It's how some people express love. It's how some people feel love. And these three words are spoken. When these three words are said, it can take relationships to whole other levels. Hearts are softened. Hurts are healed. Forgiveness is felt. Things are different. There's a new power in your relationship with these words. The three most powerful words in the world. Relationships can be redefined with these three words. Relationships can be strengthened and healed. It happens in friendships, in marriages, in families, in co-workers, in ministries, in the church. I often feel God welling up in my heart for all of you. Whenever I've stood in front of a church and I'm standing here in front of this amazing crowd of people with amazing looking crowd with beautiful faces, by the way. I have moments where I would just pause and because I would think about how God loves you and because God loves you and matters, you matter to him. And because you matter to him, you matter to me. And I don't mind telling you that. We need to just come right out and say it when we feel it. Because the absence of these words can also be as powerful and equally as big. The absence of these words leaves people feeling empty. The absence of these, these words can wreck a human heart. I've met people who've never been told they've been loved. And it ruins them. So let's make a commitment to share these words and come right out and say it. Amen? Let's get out of our comfort zones and it might be, you know, whacking someone on the back on the way home and say, hey, I love you, mate. But they feel the love. All right, think about that person you need to share that with today. Is it a parent, a co-worker, a child, a spouse? Don't wait too long because we only have this lifetime. And we don't know how long this lifetime is. Number two, transfer love through touch. I'll preface this with appropriate forms of touch. 
You can say it, you can write it down. But another way to convey love is physical touch, amen? amen? Obviously, it needs to be appropriate. Jesus was great at this. He held the children in his lap. He would heal often by touching people. He would touch the untouchables. He would hold the lepers. He would, he, these people were considered outcasts, and they had never been touched. They were separated from everyone. Some of them were deprived of touch for 20, 30, 40 years of their lives, never been touched. Imagine having Jesus just come up to you after 20 years of never being touched by anyone and having him give you a hug or having him hold you. I think there would have been a lot more healing than just a physical healing happening in that moment of being held by Jesus. I think a heart would have been healed. I think a heart would have been flooded with love. How powerful that moment would have been. Jesus knew the power of touch. And I know I've experienced a lot of touch in my life from my family and physical touch by my friends. And I do want to be sensitive this, to this need in the church because some people struggle with touch. But I love to give people a hug and I want us to be a huggy church. But before I ever give someone a hug, I always say, is it okay if I give you a hug? Just to make sure it's okay. Just being sensitive to people's needs physically. And I think we should just make sure we remember that around here. But one thing for sure is that touching people can transfer massive amounts of love from one heart to another person. It's a risky expression, but it's definitely worth trying. All right. Number three, give small acts of kindness. Just like faith without works is dead, in the same way, love without actions is empty. Anytime you give a small act of kindness, you're telling the person you care about them, that you think about them, that you put them first for that moment in your life, that you love them, that the love that's in your heart just overflowed with this practical expression of cooking a meal for someone or this practical expression of turning up and being there for that moment, helping. What can you do to express love to someone in this way? Have a think. Have a think about it. Small acts of kindness. Number four, do life together deeply. Quality time. You probably sense here I'm just rewording the love languages. It's the way I like to do it. As I've prayed and been about being here over the months leading up to this moment of being a pastor here for you, I've reflected on the privilege that it is for me to do life deeply with you. Sometimes at the most significant moments of your life, I'm going to have the opportunity to do life deeply with you. That's a privilege to me, and I love that thought. I love the thought that I get to be part of weddings or maybe a funeral for your family, maybe a family member or a friend, or people that are just giving their life to Jesus for the first time. Imagine being part of that with that person. It's a privilege to do it. Dedicating babies or working through a marriage crisis or healing a broken heart in prayer or sharing a personal struggle you may be having or praying for a healing or celebrating a new job or a great business deal that just came through. Just being part of that with you in those significant moments of your life. I love that. That's one of the privileges of being a pastor. In Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, or weep with those who weep. In other words, it's saying when you have love, 
When you have love well up inside of you for someone else and you want to transfer that love, it's saying enter into their life deeply. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those who are hurting. We should enter into lives deeply. Life was meant to be living in a loving relationship and community with one another, doing it deeply. And we need to commit to do this together as a church. Find some people to do life with. Don't be lonely here. Let's jump right in. Let's be celebrating life together. Commissioning service on the 17th. Come and celebrate with me. Do something with me that's deep. Let's have lunch together after. That will be meaningful to me. Let's commit to be there for each other through the hard times. Let's commit to be there for each other through the good times. Let's commit to be in each other's homes. Let's commit to be in each other's groups. Let's commit. In a growing church like ours, the best way to do that is over food. Reach out to someone here and have some food with them at the cafe. I've met with people this week at the cafe. It's been wonderful. Jesus knew how to rejoice with those who were rejoicing. Remember he attended celebrations? Remember he attended a wedding? Remember his first miracle was to provide wine at the first wedding? Jesus knew how to celebrate. And those weddings, they could be raucous occasions, were gone for weeks. And he would get severely criticised for this kind of hanging around with these people. But Jesus entered into lives deeply. He wanted to celebrate with those celebrating and weep with those who are weeping. Remember? We always remember the, when Jesus um, knew how to mourn with those who are mourning. Do you weep with those who are hurting? The Bible says to weep with those who are weeping. We need to express love and grief with those who are suffering in that way. Jesus said it like this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And her sister and Lazarus. That didn't read white, did it? I need my glasses. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two, two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And Jesus was here putting himself in danger to go and to be with those that he loved at this time when Lazarus had died. He wanted to attend this funeral. He wanted to comfort them. He goes on to say, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. And he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. There's that famous shortest verse in the Bible, those two words. Jesus wept. It's those two words that show us the heart of God for all of us. Jesus plunged his life to weep with his friends at the funeral of their brother. Jesus loved them by doing life deeply with them. He showed us how to express love by celebrating, rejoicing, partying, enjoying each other, but he also was there in the saddest, most painful times in their lives. And I believe at Creekside Church, we could express massive amounts of lavishing love from God on each other by entering to each other's lives deeply. 
What would happen at Creekside Church if we made a commitment to God to love lavishly, to make expressions of love toward each other by saying it and writing it down and touching one another and giving small acts of kindness and to do life together deeply, rejoicing and grieving together just the way Jesus did? What would happen in the the church if we were a family like that? I've discovered that the more we love, the more we give away, the more that you'll receive as well. Let's watch what happens and how people will feel as we give away love like this. Sometimes we think we have all the time in the world to express love like this. But that's not true. We only have one lifetime, this side of eternity. And we don't know how long that lifetime is. So as we close this talk now, let's take our communion elements here into our hands and hold them for a moment. You're thinking, oh, I didn't, you missed the fifth one. The fifth one was to express love through giving. Express love through giving. As we take communion today, I want you to remember the lavish love of Jesus that he gave when he gave the greatest gift that anyone could ever give, and that was his own life, and it cost him everything. As we play this song on the screen, I want you to think about all the expressions of love today. I want you to think about the the gift that God gave us through Jesus, his son, on a cross when he died for the forgiveness of our sins. If you don't have one of the communion elements today, if you just raise your hand and they'll come down the aisle. I want to remind you today as we watch this little video, reflect and think about the great gift of God's love. Just hold on. We'll take the elements after this video. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Let's eat this now and remember the lavishing love of God. What a gift. Jesus himself, a gift of God. Only God our Father has ever laid down the life of his only son for the forgiveness of our sins. No other religious leader has ever died or sacrificed their life for their followers or for the people to forgive them of their sins. Only Jesus is the only one. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's drink this now and remember the blood that was shed. Invite the worship team to come and we'll sing a song as we finish. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 1 to 3, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let me read that one more time as we stand together and prepare to sing and finish up our time here. Follow God's example, church. 
Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Some of you here today, you may say, I need that connection with God he's been talking about today. I've never experienced that before. I'm going to ask you, come and talk to me after the service. I would love to just say a prayer with you. love to help you take that next step and say yes to Jesus today. Yes, I need that lavishing love of God in my heart and my life. I would love to help make that next step for you. Ethan, lead us in a song. And we'll finish up with a coffee afterwards. God bless you all. It's good to see you, church.